welcome to the Mariners podcast from Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJunior20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It's Wednesday, June 28th. Still reeling Mariners fans uh, from a gut-wrenching loss in extra innings to the Washington Nationals 7-4. Really tough pill to swallow in this one. Uh, We will break down what happened in this game. Some bad luck for the Mariners. Some quite a few opportunities where they could have executed and won. Uh, We'll talk about whether uh, one loss can be more impactful than the next, uh, whether there's a a psychological or emotional um, dent or injury from a game like this uh, to the team. Some believe that can happen, some don't. Uh, We'll break down the bullpen a little more, some of the bullpen decisions in this particular game, that didn't make a whole lot of sense, whether the Mariners can shift the bullpen around or uh, have reinforcements in the minor leagues that might be able to help this bullpen. I know it was one game. The Mariners have a lights out bullpen for the most part, but there were some things that could have been done differently in this game. And then we'll preview tonight's pitching matchup of Patrick Corbin against Logan Gilbert. So first let's break down what happened in uh, last night's loss. Again, Mariners lost 7-4 to the Washington Nationals. Mariners were only able to produce seven hits in 11 innings. Uh, had a 2-1 lead after the first inning. Went up 3-1 in the fourth. Uh, 3-2 in the fifth. Kind of back and forth until the eighth inning when the Nationals scored a uh, their fourth run to tie the game at 4-4. Brian Wu was pretty spectacular in this one. He went five innings, uh, six hits, two runs. One, only one was earned, one walk and seven strikeouts. He brought his ERA down to 4.37, even after the debacle in Texas in his first start. Uh, he looked good. 14 first pitch strikes uh, to 22 batters. That's a nice percentage. Uh, he broke out a bit of a changeup in this game. Uh, that was Proved to be a pretty effective pitch. He threw 63% four-seamers, um, 11% sinkers. He had previously been throwing more sinkers than that. Uh, I think he replaced some sinkers with change-ups, uh, specifically to lefties. And it looked like a really good pitch. Uh, he did get one whiff on four swings on that sinker. Um, and then nine sliders and seven cutters. So he's a five-pitch pitcher in this game, which is very different than what we had seen previously. Uh, Previously, he was a three-pitch, for the most part, a three-pitch pitcher. His velocity was down slightly, nothing to worry about, 0.7 miles an hour on the sinker, 0.3 on the fastball. Um, So 37 swings on the four-seamer, eight whiffs, uh, 12 whiffs overall on 51 swings. That's a 24% whiff rate. Uh, it's about league average. You'd like to see that come up a little bit with him, but he he looked good. I think he's a, going to be a mainstay in the Mariners' uh, rotation as long as he can stay healthy. Um, really enjoy watching him pitch. Uh, so he was effective about as much as you could ask for from Brian Wu. Uh, the Mariners brought in Gabe Spire in the sixth. Uh, he gave up a walk and a run. 
Um, he still got the hold. Matt Brash came in and was wild. We'll talk about him in a bit, but he was very frustrating in this game. Uh, Paul Seawald gave up a game-tying home run to Kiebert Ruiz. We'll break that down as we dive deeper into the game. And then Munoz, an inning of scoreless relief in the ninth. Topa, the same in the tenth. And then inexplicably, uh, the Mariners brought in Trevor Gott in the 11th, fresh off the injured list, and he was the one who surrendered the game uh, losing runs in the 11th inning. Offensively, uh, top of the Mariners lineup, JP and and Julio went 0 for 7. They did walk three times, uh, but a little lack of production from them. Ty France went 2 for 5. Tail Hernandez 1 for 4, but he hit a two-run home run. Kyle Raleigh 2 for 5. Hey, Eugenio Suarez 1 for 3, but he had a, a clutch sack fly. So the Mariners offense was... I would say wasn't putrid, but it was uh, not as effective as it should have been against Jake Irvin, who came in, um, as I detailed in the previous pod, came in with uh, very little swing and miss stuff um, and an ERA that should have been uh, well north of the uh, four plus ERA that he had. Uh, Specifically in this game, um, just some execution issues uh, across the board, pitching and hitting. Uh, the Nationals scored their run in the top of the first after uh, Jimer Candelario uh, dumped a ball into left field in front of Jared Kelnick with two outs. It was a ball that looked like um, Kelnick could have made an effort to, to catch. He didn't, could be to avoid injury, I'm not sure, but it was a, a ball that I would have liked to have seen, seen him make more of an effort to catch. So Candelario's on first, uh, two outs, pretty you know benign single at that point in time, but then the pickoff throw from Brian Wu was way above Ty France's head and it uh, sailed into the uh, foul territory in right field. Of course, that's on Brian Wu, but then there was a lack of hustle from Teoscar Hernandez to retrieve the ball and Jamer Candelario, who's not very fast, scored from first base. Uh, it was ugly. And I think that the the lack of urgency on Teoscar Hernandez part is something to be criticized, right? He's a, a veteran. He's a leader. He needed to get over to that ball a lot more quickly. I'm sure he did not expect Candelario to score, but that's still um, unacceptable as far as I'm concerned to not hustle over and, and grab that ball. He's also supposed to be backing up the throw uh, anyway. So that was very disappointing um, to see him, uh, not hustle. Candelario's sprint speed on Savant is a 55. So he should not have scored from first base on a pickoff throw. Um, so Nationals go up one nothing. The Mariners scored two in the bottom of the first. Uh, Teo atoned for his mistake by uh, hitting a two-run home run to right center field off of Jake Irvin. It was the second pitch he saw. Uh, pretty center cut. Sinker at 94. Um, he hit 107 miles an hour off the bat. Uh, previously, the, the previous at bat, Ty France hit a middle middle first pitch fastball for a single. Of note in this inning as well is JP Crawford had a 12 pitch strikeout um, to lead off. And I said over and over again, while the strikeout isn't uh, necessarily what you want, him seeing 12 pitches, I believe, set up the next hitters to be able to succeed. 
Uh, bottom three, uh, Colton Wong was robbed by a really nice play by uh, national second baseman Luis Garcia. Grounded out 4-3. XBA on that batted ball was 380. And then Julio flew out to center field to end the inning. Um, XBA on his flyout was 480. So these were the first two examples that I saw of um, opportunities where the Mariners potentially could have had hits and didn't. Uh, there are many of these in this game. I did like in the bo- bottom of the fourth with one out and runners on first and third. Uh, Eugenio Suarez hit a sack fly to left field. It was on a uh, slider that was way out of the zone, very much a ball. Um, six pitch to the at-bat, 2-2 two, two count. Just You're starting to see more uh, instances of Suarez executing uh, at times when he has opportunities. And I think that as a veteran, as a, a hitter who's not going to hit for a high average, um, you need to see that from him for him to be effective. So good good signs from him. Um, top five, uh, Jeremy Candelario hit an RBI uh, double. Jared Kelnick dove into the gap and dropped the ball. Um, the XBA on that batted ball was 220. Uh, so the expectation according, you know, according to baseball savant was that uh, Jared Kelnick probably should have caught that ball. So it's two instances so far in this game where Jared Kelnick um, both off the bat of Jeremy Candelario, where Jared Kelnick should have um, at least made an attempt on the first one. And the second one um, should have caught the ball in my opinion. Uh, bottom six, Julio walked on six pitches Uh the the ball that he walked on was pretty egregious call from the umpire. Um, in my notes, I said it's about time, lol, uh, that Julio got a uh, got a call instead of them going against him. But then Ty France promptly uh, hit a middle middle sinker uh, to shortstop, and, and it was a six four three double play. Uh, tail walked, Cal singled first and third, two outs. Uh, this was an opportunity for Eugenio Suarez. He ended up grinding, grounding out to shortstop. Top seven, uh, Gabe Spire was in the game. He had gone an inning in the sixth and was scoreless, but he hit uh, C.J. Abrams. The Mariners brought Matt Brash in. Uh, this was a leverage situation, obviously, seventh inning, um, 3-2 lead. Matt Brash comes in with one runner on, and he walked. First batter he faced was Derek Hill. Now, Derek Hill was a first-round pick of the Detroit Tigers a few years back. He was in the Mets organization. He's really a glove-first center fielder um, who couldn't stick because of his bat. And Matt Brash walked him on five pitches. There's no excuse for Matt Brash to walk um, Derek Hill. He should have been pumping fastball straight down the middle and challenging him. Derek Hill's triple slash is 154, 214 with an OPS of 406. So not even a major league hitter. You've got Matt Brash with absolutely elite stuff, you know, top of the line stuff, and he can't throw a strike. I There's nothing more frustrating than to see um, a pitcher of that uh, quality walk a hitter who can't hit um upsetting you kind of saw where this was going after that uh but bringing Matt Brash in 
uh, these types of leverage situations. I, I don't know if the Mariners can continue to do it, but it was, it was, it elicited anger, I think, from a lot of Mariners fans when he walked, uh, Derek Hill. Then he walked, uh, Lane Thomas. Um, he threw one strike to Lane Thomas and walked him. So now you've got the bases loaded, uh, and Luis Garcia hit a sack fly. Um, of note on this set to tie the game. Of note on this sack fly, uh, Luis Garcia, he threw Luis Garcia a knuckle curve. And up till now, Garcia was one for three with a single, but he had seen one sinker, one slider, one changeup, and 10 fastballs. You're talking about a hitter who is 280, 315 with the 709 OPS. He's not going to hurt you um, with power. He's probably not going to um, hurt you with a uh, extra base hit. I just think he should have challenged him with fastballs. If you have to throw a cutter in there, then fine. You know, Brash's cutter can be in the low 90s. But to throw him and hang a knuckle curve to to Garcia in this situation, I think is is malpractice. He did the same thing to Corey Seager like three weeks or a month ago where he hung a knuckle curve that Seager hit out. Um, So the game is tied at 3-3 going into the bottom of the seventh. Uh, Jared Kelnick walked. Mike Ford singled. Colton Wong hit into a fielder's choice where they got the out at second and then came home uh, to tag Jared Kelnick out. Uh, the Mariners challenged. This was a good challenge. Call was overturned. Uh, Mariners take the lead 4-3. Uh, off the bat with Colton Wong, it was 96-6. And the XBA on Colton Wong's batted ball was 490. I think that's of note in that um, the Mariners would have had, probably would have had first and second or first and third at that point in time, had it been a single. Uh, in any case, Mariners leave the uh, go into the eighth inning up four three. Scott Seawald clearly saw this as um, the correct inning for, or excuse me, Scott Service clearly saw this as the right inning for Paul Seawald to pitch. So he brought Seawald in the eighth. Uh, Stone Garrett, right-handed hitter, popped up to uh, Eugenio Suarez on or to third base on the second of two sweepers. Kiebert Ruiz came up, hitting from the left side. Paul Seawald threw him three straight sweepers, and Kiebert Ruiz promptly hit a home run to right field. Uh, The first sweeper was bottom rail, um, but a middle pitch for a ball uh, just below the zone. Then a belt-high sweeper that he hit foul. That was uh, kind of middle in. But then he threw... The third sweeper was in a very similar location to the first. So I talk a lot about eye level and repeating pitches and repeating locations. And Ruiz hit it. And it was, you know, it was a lucky home run. 92-5 off the bat, 356 feet, only a 140 XBA. But facts are that Paul Seawald threw five straight sweepers to open the inning. And he gave up a home run to a hitter that makes a lot of contact. And you know, I, again, I harp on pitch selection quite a bit, but I wish that Paul Seawald would have mixed it up and thrown a four-seamer to Ruiz. Um, Ruiz on the season is hitting 192 uh, 
with the, or excuse me, 375 with the 750 um, slug against the sweeper and 262 with the 500 slug against the four seam fastball. So clearly he can hit the sweeper. Uh, Seawalt sweeper is a, a, an elite pitch, but still mix it up, right? Seawalt against lefties is with the sweeper is 192 with the 538, um, 538 slug. And then versus the fastball, it's 067 with an 067 slug. So I would have liked to have seen him looks numbers wise. It looks like Seawald should have thrown more fastballs to Ruiz, but he threw three straight sweepers. Ruiz, while he doesn't hit for a ton of power, is a skilled hitter who makes contact. Um, and you threw him three straight pitches, same velocities, uh, two of which were in the same location. So to me, that was a brain fart on the on the part of the Mariners and Paul Seawall to choose to throw him those three sweepers. Of course, he comes back. Four out of five pitches to left-handed Dominic Smith are fastballs, gets him to ground out. Those four fastballs up and three sweepers down to Vargas for a fly out to left field. So it's like he wasn't focused or the pitch calling wasn't focused. He gives up the home run and then they decide to lock in. Super frustrating. Tie game, 4-4. Bottom eight, one out. Ty France comes up, 110 off the bat. Fly out to center field. 680 uh, XBA. 387 foot batted ball. So again, another example of the Mariners hitting the ball hard, an opportunity to get a base hit, extra base hit. Um, it's an out. Bottom nine, Cal Raleigh flew out to center field, 1024 off the bat, 388 feet, 520 XBA. Again, pretty bad luck. Eugenio Suarez doubles, but then Dylan Moore strikes out on, um, on a called strike three. A uh, couple of fastballs. Dylan Moore so far has been straight trash. Uh, you know, Mariners signed him to a three-year deal in the offseason. It's not a ton of money. He's been injured. I know he's fast. I know he can hit for power at times. But, boy, he looks pretty terrible and not like a major leaguer way too often. Um, and to take a called strike three on a fastball in the bottom of the ninth with the runner on second is is um, pretty bad. So first and second, two outs, Colton Wong comes up. He popped out to shortstop. But of note here, again, um, Savant XBA was 380. Uh, so it's not unrealistic to think that that batted ball could have been a base hit. Goes to extras, top 10. Justin Topa's in. Uh, he gets three outs and four batters. Bottom 10 is where Mariners fans were losing it. So... Mariners have bases loaded, no outs, crowds going nuts. Mariners only need one run to win this game. You know, you've got Ty France, Teo Hernandez, and Cal Raleigh coming up. You would expect the Mariners to win this game. I don't know what their win expectancy was at this point, but it had to have been really freaking high. Um, And... Ty France fouls out to the catcher. Okay, like, not great. You still have an opportunity. You would have expected a hitter like Ty France making the kind of contact that he does to be able to hit a fly ball. He didn't. Tailscar Hernandez is called out on on a check swing, strike three. He had strikes to hit. He had a, a, a slider that was belt high, slightly, you know, outer half the plate, but still belt high. He had a fastball in the same location. 
He should have been able to hit. I don't know if he was thinking pull, but he should have been able to hit one of those to right center to win the game on a sack fly. So now two outs. Cal Raleigh ground out to the pitcher. Mariners had bases loaded, no outs, needed one run to win the game, and couldn't execute with their three, four, five hitters coming up to bat. Uh, Absolutely inexcusable execution or lack of execution on the part of the Mariners. So frustrating. I'm sure plenty of people threw their remotes around the room. Uh, You know, it was just, it was horrible. I don't know what else to say. Playoff teams execute in these situations. Shoot, little league teams execute in these situations. It was, it's just inexcusable to not be able to, to drive in one run with the bases loaded. You're at home. You're playing a terrible team in the Washington Nationals. In many ways, the Nationals look like they're not even trying to win. You know, they're probably playing for the number one pick in some ways. And you're facing, you know, Jordan Weems, who has pitched well so far this season, but is not a, you know, a big name, right? This isn't a top prospect. You're you're facing just another reliever. And you would have expected one of those guys to produce. Um as the listeners know, you know, I've been talking about the need for Amer- the Mariners to pick up a bat, but I don't, you know, I've said the Mariners shouldn't really mortgage the farm to do it. Um, I've said all along, you know, stick with this team. A lot of good players on this team. This kind of uh, implosion or, you know, inability to score in this type of situation makes you want to trade the farm makes you want to improve upon the offense at first base. You get tired of the average um, offensive output from Ty France. He produces sometimes. He grounds into a ton of double plays. Teo, I've been a huge supporter of Teo. Stick with him. He's going to carry the team. He's got big shoulders, all those things. This situation, man, you needed to drive the freaking run in. You're a run producer. You're there to drive in runs. You don't walk. You play an okay right field. You come up, bases loaded, one out, hit a freaking fly ball. Hit a fly ball. That's not that difficult for a major leaguer to hit a freaking fly ball, especially one that hits for power like he does. Cal Raleigh, in that situation, he had to look base hit. Can't blame him for grounding out. You would have liked to have seen something different. But Ty France and, and Tailscar Hernandez can't hit a freaking fly ball to drive in a run and win the game. It's terrible. It's freaking horrible. Then to compound the Mariners fan frustration – Top 11, the Mariners had just DFA'd Chris Flexen and brought Trevor Gott off of the injured list. Was Trevor Gott injured? I think that could be, um, that's up for debate. He had a number of really poor outings um, previously. My guess is he went on the injured list because they wanted to give him a mental break. And to chill out for a little while before coming back uh, against Texas on June 4th, he went one inning. He gave up four hits, five runs, a home run, a walk and a strikeout. So really bad in a bad outing from, from Trevor got, it was, you know, it may have been a mental reset. He may have been hurt. It could have been a little bit of both, but to bring him off of the IL into a tie game, in the, in the 11th inning, as his first outing after his previous one being the implosion, is 
manager malpractice. I love Scott Service. I think Scott Service is the right manager for the Mariners. I've said that for a long time. I, I think that he's done a hell of a job. But to bring in Gott in the 11th, just off the injured list when Justin Topa had thrown 17 pitches in the previous inning um, and shut down the Nationals, four of Justin Topa's eight outings in June have been greater than 17 pitches. So it's not as if 17 pitches is his limit. You had him available for that second inning potentially. Ty Adcock has been lights out since being brought up from double A for the Mariners. Adcock threw 14 pitches on Saturday. So he didn't pitch Sunday. He didn't pitch Monday and he was available to pitch Tuesday. You had him available. You didn't use him. Tyler Saucedo. Now he didn't pitch very well last game, pitched two thirds of an inning, but he only threw 22 pitches. So instead of bringing in Topa for a second inning, Instead of using Ty Adcock, who had three days off, excuse me, two days off, instead of using Tyler Saucedo, who threw 22 pitches in the previous game but has been effective, you're going to use the freaking dude who was on the IL coming off of a poor performance before going on the IL, who potentially was injured. You had options. Now, Gott gets a lot of ground balls. You could make the case that a ground ball pitcher is not the right pitcher to bring in a situation because he could he's more likely to give up a base hit, whatever. Style of pitcher in that particular at that particular time is not as important to me as you're bringing in the dude who's rusty and hasn't pitched. I think that that was a horrible decision by Scott Service. You had other options. Again, Adcock has been lights out since you brought him up. Instead, you bring in Trevor Gott. He has, he gets one out, then he walks um, Vargas on five pitches, right? Vargas is, let's see, give me one second here. Vargas has not been a good hitter this year. He's got 273 with a 294 OBP, so he doesn't even take walks. And barely a 700 OPS. But not he's up there to swing the bat, and you walk him on five pitches. Again, it's the same. It's similar to walking Derek um, Derek Hill. These are not hitters that you should be you should be walking. So it's first and third. Derek Hill ground grounds out to the second baseman. Now you got second and third and two outs. You got an opportunity to get out of the inning. You give up a Trevor Goff. Gott gives up a two run double on a center cut sinker straight down the middle, grounds it to uh, down the first baseline. Nationals go up 6-4, second and third, two outs. Um, Excuse me, that was second and third and two outs. And then uh, Luis Garcia hits a seeing eye single for an RBI. So now you're down three runs. The execution on that 94-mile-an-hour sinker to Lane Thomas from Trevor Gott is the type of execution you would expect from a pitcher coming off of the injured list. He might have his velocity, but he's not going to be sharp with his command. And sure enough, straight down the middle center cut. It's, I don't know what to say. Just was a bad choice to bring him into the game. And it played out super quickly in that Lane Thomas at bat. So bottom 11, Runner on third, two outs. Dylan Moore takes a 97-mile-an-hour belt high 
fastball on the outer rail for strike three. It is the second time that he's done this um, in two innings. Again, not a fan. Uh, I think there are better options out there. I even think Sam Haggerty might be a better option. I don't know if Dylan Moore is a DFA candidate after signing that contract, but he did not. He was not the right guy to be up in this situation. So, you know, all in all, there are good signs from this game, from this particular game. You had Brian Wu give you five innings of of two-run ball. Only one of those was earned. He showed off a changeup that we hadn't seen. Um, he looks to be a quality starter from this point forward. Uh, so that was great. You know, the Mariners bullpen, as I've said, has been very, very good. Um, I think that's a, a very much a characteristic of these Yuri DePoto teams is being able to put together a great bullpen. Seawald is going to give up runs once in a while. I did not like the three straight sweepers to Ruiz. That needs to be addressed, but you still have Munoz. You still have Seawald. Gabe Spire has been very good for this team. I'm not worried about the bullpen, but bringing in Matt Brash in a uh, leverage, high leverage situation doesn't make a lot of sense. His walk to Derek Hill was inexcusable. Um, and then Trevor Gott coming in in the, in the 11th in a highest leverage situation just off the injured list was a – had to have been a brain fart because it's not – I don't think anyone in their right mind would have put him in, in that situation when you had other relievers available. All right. I do think that this loss is painful. Um, You'd like to see obviously the Mariners win uh, this afternoon. I, I would expect them to given the pitching matchup of Logan Gilbert versus Patrick Corbin, which we'll dive into in a minute. Um, But say the Mariners lose this game. And this extra innings loss to the Nationals becomes the catalyst for a downturn for the Mariners. You would look at this game as the turning point, right? Mariners lose heartbreaking extra innings, left the bases loaded with no outs in the 10th. Um, And that you brought in the wrong pitcher in the wrong situation. Uh, If the Mariners go into a swoon, say they lose five straight, six straight, seven straight. Now you're looking at, a team that's out of contention for the AL West. You're looking at a team that is, has a long road to hoe to get to a a wild card. And you might start seeing different decision-making as far as um, the construction of the team. Maybe the Mariners become sellers instead of buyers. Um, It is a seller's market, right? You've got a lot of teams in contention. You've got a lot of players on the Mariners who I think would be attractive to other teams. So just keep this game in mind, keep it in the back of your brain as one that can potentially turn the Mariners season downwards. I do think it had an an impact on the team emotionally. Um, They would never say so, but it's heartbreaking to lose in extras. It's heartbreaking to lose in extras to a team that's 17 games under 500. It's heartbreaking to lose a game in extras when you bring in the wrong freaking pitcher and to lose when you had the bases loaded and no outs. So, And all you needed was one run to win. So, again, keep this game in the back of your mind. Um, If the Mariners win today, I think it all kind of goes away. You've taken two out of three um, from a team that you should have taken two out of three or swept at home. uh, And you move on, right? You move to the Ray series. 
I wouldn't say they would move to the race series with momentum necessarily, but you move to the series having, having won the previous one. So with that, again, it's Patrick Corbin against Logan Gilbert. Patrick Corbin is by all means, probably one of the worst assets or biggest negative assets in major league baseball. Uh, he signed a six-year, $140 million contract in 2019. Um, that was the championship year for the Nationals. Uh, it's $23.3 million average annual value. He's a free agent in 2025, so he's paid this season, next season. They're on the hook for, for this season and next season. He's 33 years old. He's left-handed. And he's been one of the worst pitchers in baseball. He's 4-9 with the 5.34 ERA and a 1-6-1 whip. He surrendered 115 hits in 89 and two-thirds innings, only 57 strikeouts. It's an 8.8%, um, excuse me, a 14% K rate. Uh, right-handers, who obviously you stack the lineup against a left-handed pitcher typically with a bunch of right-handers, are hitting 321, 361 on base percentage, and an 864 OPS. The Mariners should tee, absolutely tee off on Patrick Corbin today. Uh, 45% sinker at 92 miles an hour. Uh, 32% slider at 79 miles an hour. 13% four-seam fastball at 91.6. And then 9% changeup at 81 miles an hour. Only a 9.5% whiff rate on the sinker. It's to be expected on a sinker. A lot of sinkers are there to induce weak contact, not to not to strike people out. But the four seamer is only eleven point seven percent whiff. So very few strikeouts, tons of hits, eighty seven point two percent zone contact rate. That's five point four percent above league average, meaning it's easier against Corbin so far this season to hit strikes um, than league average, and a twenty point two percent whiff rate, which is four point six percent below league average. So he gets fewer whiffs than, than your typical major league pitcher. Mariners should absolutely tee off against Corbin. I would expect the lineup to be stacked with right-handers. Um, probably looking at a lineup where I'm guessing they're going to give Jared Kelnick the day off. Certainly Mike Ford the day off, probably Colton Wong the day off. He started a number of games in a row. We'll probably see Tom Murphy, Jose Caballero, Dylan Moore, and AJ Pollock. Um, maybe they give uh, Cal Raleigh rest as well. So Raleigh, Kelnick, Ford, and Wong, I would expect to be out of the lineup. Murphy, Caballero, Moore, and Pollock, I would expect to be in. For the Mariners, Logan Gilbert's on the mound, 26 years old, 6'6", 215, as you know. Uh, I wonder if the Mariners will start to have extension conversations with Logan Gilbert soon. He's arbitration eligible in 25, not a free agent until 28, but he's pitched in a manner that I think um, the Mariners may want to buy out a couple of the free agent years. So far this season, five and four at the 407 ERA and a 102 whip. He's pitched better than his ERA shows. Uh, XERA is 353, XFIP is 364. Part of that is a, a low left on base percentage of 65.1%. Um, that just means he's allowed a lot of runners on base to score. Part of that is luck. Uh 86 in the third inning, 71 hits, 17 walks, 89 strikeouts, 25.7% strikeout rate, 4.9% walk rate. 
his zone contact is right at league average. His whiff rate is pretty much league average as well. Um, and it's surrendering a 220 average against both lefties and righties. Uh, Logan Gilbert is 42% four seamer at 95 miles an hour, 26% slider at 88 and a half miles an hour, 17% curveball, and 14% splitter. Um, that splitter has been a really nice pitch for him this year. So Mariners play today uh, or th- this afternoon in a couple of hours. Um, first pitch is at 110. I would expect the Mariners to take this one. Pitching matchup is certainly in their favor. You want to see the Mariners come out angry. You want to see the Mariners come out um, aggressive. That doesn't mean swinging a ton. What that means is uh, focused. um, The Mariners should rock Patrick Corbin. They should be frustrated. You're going against one of the worst starting pitchers in baseball. Um, I would expect the Mariners to come out angry. Uh, again, if not, if the Mariners lose and Texas wins, you're talking about a, a double-digit um, games deficit behind the Rangers at that point in time. So there needs to be a sense of urgency on the part of the Mariners. You want to look for focus. Um, I, again, I expect the Mariners to win this game, get a day of rest, and then uh, go into the uh, series against the Tampa Bay Rays ready to rock. That was – my rant of a podcast, um, again, a game like last night's is, is a difficult pill to swallow for Mariners fans. A lot of inexcusable, um, uh, lack of execution, a lot, or certainly, um, some bad, in my opinion, some bad choices as far as who to bring into the game out of the bullpen. But you lick your wounds, you regroup, you come back out and, uh, kick the butts of the Washington Nationals. Uh, this afternoon. So thanks for listening. Appreciate it. This was the Mariners cast from Sports Ethos. Once again, you can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior 20, T I N O J R 20, and the podcast at Ethos Mariners, E T H O S M A R I N E R S. We will come back tomorrow. We'll talk about this afternoon's game. Uh, I plan to dig in more into the Mariners minor leagues um, pretty in the upcoming couple of podcasts. We'll also talk about the Tampa Bay Rays and what makes them so good. Thanks for listening, y'all. Take care. Enjoy your afternoon. Peace.